0: Welcome to Stories After Midnight. The story we will be reading is called When I was 13 I used to solve mysteries with my friends. Eight years later, I found a bigger mystery, who we are. It's by Trashtia and it's part of a series that is being tentatively named The Strings Murders. So I hope you enjoy it. I always knew deep down that my life wasn't real. Middleview was always an enigma to me. Ever since I was a kid, My life has been a broken puzzle that didn't fit together or make sense. Looking back, I chose to blissfully ignore the splintered pieces of my existence, despite the truth dangling right in front of me the whole time. I could pretend it wasn't real as a kid, sure. And sitting in the sandpit in the first grade with Noah Presley, I looked at the sky instead of the camera in my face and the curtain that suffocated me when the lights went out. I used to question why everything felt both fake and yet painfully real. The sand I was sitting in was soft, and the sun's glare peeking through those scary vertical lines in front of me, scratched at my retinas. But growing up, it became harder not to notice the eyes surrounding me. The cameras that hurt my eyes and invisible strings entangling around me, making me dance. I wasn't allowed to look. If I took notice of the invisible lines cutting through the sky, I would start to hurt. I never wanted to solve crimes. I didn't want to catch milk thieves or spy on my janitor. But opening my mouth to say that, however, would get me in trouble. So I decided that, actually, maybe solving crimes would be fun. After all, catching Jessica S. was. I had two important orders I had to follow. The words in my mouth that weren't mine that tangled like a tongue twister and left me out of breath. I couldn't fight them, nor could I look up or down, left or right. I couldn't touch the springy lines cutting into the air, and if I did, I was punished, with an uncomfortable feeling of being yanked, pulled backwards, my arms and legs jerking, moving for me. Sometimes my mother would look me dead in the eye and tell me to turn my head, to relax my fists, to breathe slowly and ignore the dancing lines. So I continued tracing swirls and seas in the sandpit, ignoring them. The mayor's son was far less cooperative, with the eyes that were not allowed to look at. Unlike me, he took notice of the invisible creases that entangled with us. Noah Presley brushed them out of the way, poking and prodding them, blinking at them like he could see them and reminding me they, in fact, were not a figment of our imagination. Initially, the boy was like me. He reluctantly went along with the murmurs in his head, and the orders from the eye surrounding us. We were spying on the janitor, the two of us hiding behind a wall when he tapped my shoulder. I thought he was alerting me that someone was coming, but instead, Noah leaned close. Look, the mayor's son was supposed to wear serious faces and shove me around. This Noah had playful eyes and a mischievous smile that would rather play in the ball court or go digging for buried treasure. The real Noah wanted to be a pirate, not a detective. He grabbed my hand and I felt that tightness again, that stinging pain in my fingers and arms. I wasn't allowed to look at the lines twined around my arms and wrapped around my legs, but Noah Presley made it hard. Instead of focusing on the janitor, he prodded at them and proved my mom wrong. I watched in amazement as he played a tune, strumming them like a guitar. The eyes strictly told him to stop and he stuck out his tongue defiantly. The lines went boing and we both giggled. Shading his eyes from the lights in our eyes, Noah pointed right at what we were not allowed to look at. His smile was wide, baffled, full of childish amazement that stifled a gnawing fear creeping up his spine, a fear I knew was real when his expression crumpled. He was feeling that exact slicing pain through his fingers and toes, his lips curling. As little kids, the lines were less cruel to us, acting as a warning in case we acted out. When we grew older, becoming more perceptive of our surroundings, awake and aware of cameras and flashing lights, and eyes telling us what to do, the mayor's son grew less mystified by the lines. He wasn't fascinated anymore, a frustration sparking in his eyes, instead of playing with them, He called them bad words. Noah started to ask questions that were less curious and more demanding. In the third grade, we were in the middle of a missing cat case. Our class was doing a spelling bee in class when he jumped up from his chair. I did notice he was practically vibrating in his seat all day, but I figured he was just itching to get out of school so he could find Mrs. Kara's missing Persian. At nine years of age, the mayor's son wanted answers. This is stupid, he yelled. The lines are driving me crazy. The boy jumped up on his desk and waved his arms, prodding the lines we were not allowed to see, pulling them so they jerked and danced. I twisted around to tell him to shush, but something was already violently yanking me to face the front of the class, this time a stinging around my neck. I tried to reach up and touch what was wrapped around my throat, which was mechanically jerking my head from side to side, but my hands were no longer mine, dropping to my desk. When I tried to jump up, my feet were pinned to the floor. Risking a glance down, I saw them, crisscrossing lines tying my ankles down. Noah Presley, Mrs. Jacobs yelled. In the corner of my eye, May was leaning forward in her own desk, head inclined, her fingers lightly touching the lines crisscrossing around her. The girl's eyes were wide. I think that was the first time she saw them. The first time May Lee blinked back at the eyes staring at her. I wasn't allowed to look, but it was so tempting. They were right next to me. I could reach out and touch a different world I wasn't supposed to notice. You are disrupting my class. Sit down. I don't care, Noah curled his lip. I want to know what they are. His eyes softened and I detected vulnerability in his tone. They're there, and there, and there, and there. He pointed manically, almost toppling off of his desk. Don't be ridiculous, she said. Sit down. No, Noah spat back. He was putting on a brave face, but the boy was hiding the tremble in his voice. His arms wrapped around himself. Not until you tell me what the lines are, Mr. Jacobs. In the fourth grade, we were investigating the disappearance of a beloved town monument. Our fourth member had just joined us, and we were once again being reprimanded inside Principal Maine's office. Apparently, we weren't allowed to break into the science lab to see if chemicals had been stolen by a student. We found traces of a certain chemical at the scene of the crime, and newcomer Eris was convinced our suspect was in fact a kid. That day, I remember it was too hot. We were standing in a line, and our heads bowed, awaiting an inevitable scolding. Blinking dazedly, my gaze wandered from our glaring principal to my own legs that moved on their own. Magic? You four, stand up! We did, and next to me, Noah tipped his head back and blew a raspberry. Principal Maine's twitching eye snapped to a grinning heiress, who, at that point, was completely blind to the cutting lines. His unblinking eyes failed to see what entangled him, what was supposed to hurt him. Heiress Kane! Maine leaned forward on his chair, brushing away the avalanche of paper and empty coffee mugs. His stress lines were funny to look at. You're a smart kid. Your father tells me you are a gifted student. I heard you voluntarily transferred to this school. Eris nodded with a proud smile, while the rest of us held our breaths. If Maine happened to compliment you, yeah, you were pretty much dead. So why, pray tell? He steepled his fingers, his tone hardening. Eris' smile faded. Do you insist on aligning yourself with these troublemakers? That's rich, Noah scoffed. For someone who isn't even real. Maine nudged him, but the boy didn't back down. You, Noah said loudly, like he was talking directly to the eyes. You're not real, Mr. Maine. Maine cocked his head, and I saw his movement jolted. I'm sorry. What? Noah sighed and stepped forward, grabbing a coffee mug and tipping it over the principal's head. Reality splintered again, and I took the time to notice things that I wasn't supposed to. Mane had lines too. But his lines made him up—a being of cotton and string and patchwork flesh—than our principal. It was just a single movement when my breath caught in my throat, and I could feel them tugging at me, forcing me to keep my head down. But Principal Maine's face was too scary—a mound of dead flesh, glassy eyes that stared straight through me, and a mouth that opened and closed, jerking left to right. Sharp intakes of breath next to me, and Eris was stumbling back his lips twisted into a silent scream, while May was paralyzed to the spot. I think they could see it too, not just the contorting lines making up our principle, but the gnawing hollow nothing where his back was supposed to be, the cruel stand in place of a spine. I forced myself to ignore the whispers in my ear that it wasn't real, that it was all in my head, the cavern in the back of his skull where scarlet colored strings replaced a human brain. I saw his strings hanging above him, moving his mouth. Noah turned to us, and for the first time in my life, I saw Noah Presley's real eyes. He was terrified, his expression desperate. See, Noah pleaded with us, grasping hold of the lines in a tight fist. He ignored the shouts from the eyes around us, his lips carved into a scream his mouth wouldn't allow. Noah's voice shook with sobs, and already we were being pulled back. Our bodies flailing and our minds going blank. It's not! Cut! A voice yelled. Real. They made me stop thinking after. Noah's voice faded into white noise. And before I knew what was happening, a blanket of darkness was falling in front of my eyes. It was like I could make time jump forward if I blinked. Though it only happened when Noah started screaming about lines that were getting closer to him. Initially, they dangled in front of us as kids, sometimes coiled around our fingers, grazing the backs of our necks as if a silent warning. Now, they were actually wrapped around us, making us dance, so close to severing us, just like our principal. The eyes managed to keep us on a leash for the most part, going to extreme lengths to keep us inside the lines, but that wasn't the last time I was awake and aware of them. It was always the mayor's son hissing in our ears when he thought the eyes were gone, squeezing my hand tight and heiresses tighter entangling our fingers. He brought the fake world crumbling down, and in those moments of clarity, I was grateful for him fighting back. Presently, my thoughts were on the car ride that wouldn't leave my mind. I was half aware of the others around me, delusions I was slowly growing used to. May, sitting cross-legged on the floor with her usual pursed lips and the boys play-fighting. I had found myself in my mother's office, which was usually out of bounds. I was slumped in a beanbag, flicking through every paper document I could find, but it was all invoices. I watched the guys instead, bathed in late afternoon sunlight through the curtains on the windows. The two of them resembled two bright balls of light, which was ironic. The boys' fighting skills were exactly the same, after the four of us were forced to take part in self-defense classes. According to the sheriff, he wasn't letting us anywhere near a Middleview criminal, unless we knew how to fight. Watching Eris easily put Noah into a headlock, the brunette wrestling him to the ground, laughing, I guess they learned well. Something sour crept up my throat, and the streaks of sunlight faded. Shadows taking over the office, threatening to swallow my imaginary friends completely. Not well enough to escape their fate. I wondered what would happen if my memories returned. Would this image of them disappear, or twist to suit my memory? Still I enjoyed their company. I don't think my brain wanted to register the agonizing reality of what they really were. Hollowed out dolls dancing on strings for an audience behind a curtain of darkness. These versions were easier for my mind to register and understand. These versions, despite being memories carved into real faces, imaginary friends I couldn't let go of, were warm and familiar. I lost them at the age of 15, dragged from my town by my mother, and told they weren't real, only to find them again, years later. Nothing more than flesh puppets on scarlet strings, dancing and parading to a tune I could not hear. The three of them resembled our middle school principal. I couldn't see the back of Noah's head, only strings. Eris's torso hung like a wooden toy, carved of blood, bone, and flesh. Everything he ever was. In its place, his spine that had been molded into a perfect puppet stand. The three of them had become exactly what a younger Noah had feared. There was more to my memories. After my mother and the people behind Middleview had fought to keep me in the dark, there were still parts of my mind I was searching for. The night the Middleview 4 stepped inside the string factory on the tail of the infamous string murderer, my memory cut off like a curtain had fallen, but I didn't remember one. I didn't remember anything after pushing the factory door open, time jumping to four hours later. What happened to us? Why was I found inconsolable, covered in bloody strings? Mom saved me, but what happened to the others? I had splinters, a scarlet horror lurking in the back of my mind. Blurry memories of sitting in warm red that flowed around us. A table made of steel and a stained blade hanging above us. Shaking my head, I buried that memory in particular. I would only go back to shining rubies glittering on every surface and dripping into the floor when I knew how we had gotten inside that room. There was one memory in particular that was running through my head. The car ride on the night mom dragged me away from what I'd discovered. she drugged me so that I could barely remember it. However, over the last few days, what was supposed to be a blank slate was unraveling. I remembered heavy rain pounding against the black window, my cheek pressed to the glass, my body twisted like a pretzel in the backseat. Mom had stopped crying, her fingers clenched around the wheel. Outside, the glow of passing streetlights kept me aware, my flickering eyes following the long, winding road ahead of us. I was surrendering to the dark, hopped up on the drugs forced into my bloodstream when the sound of a click came from the passenger seat. I opened my eyes, my thoughts swimming. I tried to sit up, but my bones were made of lead. There was a figure in the passenger seat. I could see the shadow of their head pressed against the pane. When their head jerked, my spongy mind realized the figure was moving. Everything about them wasn't human, instead blanketed in darkness, in silhouettes from passing streetlights and signs transforming them into a being of oblivion. I tried to look for a face, except my drugged up brain only found a cavern of nothing in its place. Don't. My cheek gently bobbed against the window, though Mom didn't turn to look at me. She was talking to them. My mother's voice was a low murmur, reassuring. I know you're scared, but just like I said earlier, I'm going to take you somewhere safe, she whispered. She's not going to find you. We're about to hit the highway so her influence won't stretch this far. I don't know if the figure believed my mother. Still, I think her voice was comforting enough for them to want to try. Once their hands slowly retracted from the lock on the door, I dazedly watched the figure sit back with a quiet huff. Mom exhaled a breath of relief, her fingers tightening around the wheel. Keep your head down. Her tone immediately turned motherly. If you want to lie down in the back seat, you might be more comfortable. Mom started to hum again. Her voice a lullaby as the figure ducked their head. In the blinding haze of a passing streetlight, I finally saw their reflection. Huh? The shadow person was human after all. Mom's singing followed me into the dark, the drugs finally catching up to my mind. I remembered her hand leaving the wheel and squeezing the figure's fingers, her voice a hypnotizing lull. In a town where I was born lived a man who sailed the sea, and he told us of his life in the land of submarines. Hey! Noah snapped me out of it. I had to blink rapidly, drinking in the boy's head of vicious curls he refused to trim. They looked brighter in the sunlight, strands set alight, dancing across his forehead. Fifteen-year-old Noah Presley loomed over me, half of his face drowned in shadow. He was a snapshot, a memory I wanted to keep close with me. I stood up from my place, slumped in the beanbag. Eris was perched on my mother's desk, and May was flicking through a book she had found, comfortably cross-legged on the sheepskin rug. Yep, I was still hallucinating my dead friends. I didn't question them earlier that morning before mom left for work, but now that I was really looking at the three, I realized they were noticeably younger. When they came to see me inside the facility, Eris's hair was long, while Noah's was a more mature style, slicked back. I strictly remembered May's pigtails being loose, longer, a fringe hanging in her eyes. Looking at them presently, they had reverted to their 15-year-old selves, wearing the exact same clothes. From where I found them in the diner. Noah was in his usual jeans and hoodie, heiress casual white shirt and pants, and May in shorts and t-shirt, her pigtails dancing on her shoulders. The Middleview 4 in our summer before sophomore year, who I remembered and held on to the most. You're daydreaming again, Noah sang, poking me in the face. The boy cocked his head. How many times are you going to dwell on that car ride? Instead of answering him, I checked over my mom's desk for the thousandth time. There's nothing here, Eris said, swinging his legs. Unless we count the list of subjects you've been holding for a while now. I tightened my grip on the paper scrunched between my fists. I thought it was a clue to who we were, but apparently it was just my mother involved in unethical experiments on kids. Eris met my gaze, his lips pursing. You think those kids are us? they were all born in 2011. Which makes them ten years old, May hummed, her gaze flicked to me. Wait, didn't you see a playroom inside that place? I nodded slowly, frowning at the paper on my knee. Ten subjects, numbered 0.1 to 0.10. Only first names, and all born in 2011. Eris jumped up with an exaggerated sigh. Eris Kane was theater kid energy, and I refused to elaborate. Okay, so cast your minds back to case number seven, when we were 13 years old and Mary Cassidy's prized doll collection had gone missing. Eris turned to me, his arms folded. Where did we find them? I shrugged with a scoff. We didn't find them, the cops did. Not our proudest moment. Eris' grin didn't waver. He was slowly moving back towards the bookcase, and I was following him, already running my fingers down each book. We didn't, I continued in a hiss. The cops found the dolls, but we were determined to find the culprit. I was talking out loud, but it felt good to be investigating again. So, I said in a breath, we broke into Nina Jarrett's house, and inside her mother's office were a series of tunnels, hidden behind. I started to pull out books by the spine, throwing them on the floor. The bookcase Eris finished, leaning against the wood with a smirk. He ignored Noah's rolled eyes. So, let's take into account the fact that your mother works on this stage play and is clearly being controlled by strings. However, she saved you and definitely has skeletons in her closet, but secretly works against her own colleagues. Eris clucked his tongue. Think about it. You just saved a valuable asset from a dangerous organization. He prodded the bookcase. Where's the first place you're going to hide them? The Arctic? Noah was comfortably perched on the edge of Mom's desk. Switzerland? May threw a book at him. Take this seriously. Ow! He volleyed one back. You can't hit me with a hard back. Nope, Eris said, ignoring the other sibling back and forth. In plain sight. The boy's latter words were only emphasized when I yanked away the final book, only for the bookcase to slide aside, revealing a large metal door. Dude! Noah laughed, sidestepping an ancient copy of Metamorphosis tumbling from the top shelf. I stepped in front of the metal door, my heart in my throat. There was no handle, a freaky-looking scanner attached to the lock. Biometric, Eris hummed, appearing next to me. Unless you have a spare copy of your mom's thumb, we ain't getting in there. I opened my mouth to speak, before a rough hand found my shoulder. Eris's eyes widened, Noah stumbled back. Oh no, Noah hissed, did you not hear the door opening? I had to back the urge to snap back, neither did you, on account of him being a figment of my imagination. It took me a disorienting moment to drink in the black clad soldier, standing in the doorway. His eyes were grey and cruel, raking me up and down. He ignored me. The kid will be in here somewhere, the man grunted, shoving past me. Search Allison to office. His head snapped toward the doorway when another figure appeared. It was the man in the mask from the facility, the one who wiped, or pretended to wipe, my memories. Delaney, scan the daughter, he barked. Do a full dig. Get your hands dirty if you must. Dr. Delaney nodded. He took slow strides towards me, and with every step, The real world was bleeding into my illusion, bright sunlight filling the room and eating away at my friends. The three of them faded, swallowed by the shadow. I was alone again, when the masked man dumped something into my hands. I was trying to bring them back. Where is he? His voice cut out into the bubble I had built around myself. Blinking rapidly, my mind was already trying to retreat, trying to retrace the Middleview 4 back into existence. Except my mother's office was empty. The bookcase Eris had helped me throw aside still revealed the door my mother had hidden in plain sight. There were books on the floor, but no sign of May sitting amongst them, or Eris and Noah swapping theories. The two of them leaned against the wall. There was something damp in my hands. I could feel it, stingy and wet, slipping through my fingers. Strings. My breath caught in my throat. The severed strings from the person mum saved, slimy and warm in my hand. I don't know if it was the memory slamming into me like a wave of ice water, or the force of the masked man's figures pressing pressure to my temples. I fell again, plunging down, down, down into what had been stripped away. I was running. The sky was a blanket of inky oblivion above me, and I was sprinting down a quiet suburban street. Swinging my arms to drive me faster. I knew exactly what case it was. It was the case that ripped us apart. Immediately, I knew what was coming. I tried to retract from the masked man's control, but he forced me deeper. I was back in Middleview. It was a Saturday night, and we were missing our third member. Noah called an emergency meeting in our local coffee shop. Dumping my strawberry milkshake down. Strawberry for me, and chocolate for him and Eris. I took the window seat, always squeezed next to May while the boys sat opposite us. Glancing next to me, the plush blue of May's seat made me feel kind of sick. May is missing, Noah announced. Eris, who was absently stirring his shake into a mush, went pale. Damn, he lowered his voice, leaning over the table. Because of the note? Noah shot Eris the side eye, lips curved around his straw. Why else, genius? I pulled the note from my pocket, smoothing it across the table. There were four severed fingers attached to the top. Eris confirmed the fingers were from already dead corpses, which didn't make it any better, but at least the psycho wasn't on a killing spree. The words, ''Can we play a game?'' were spelled out in individual letters. ''From the weirdo fan who's obsessed with us?'' Eris hissed. Noah nodded grimly. ''No parents, if we tell the adults, The guy will kill her." An hour later, after searching the town, May finally contacted us on her talkie. She had been kidnapped by the person behind the note. Marin, are you there? Noah's voice crackled through the talkie gripped between my clammy fingers. I'm almost at the rendezvous, he sounded out of breath, pausing to let out a sharp hiss. I may have lied to my dad about the note, but the guy said no cops, Noah paused. How much trouble do you think we're all in? I laughed. Almost definitely grounded until college. Um, hello? I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm still kidnapped. May's grumble crackled through. The psycho left me hanging by my foot, so all the blood is rushing to my head. Hurry up. Noah responded with a scoff. Jeez, you're going to annoy him into letting you go. Says the boy who never shuts up. May shot back. Where are you guys? I stopped running, dragging myself into a slower pace. I am just outside the place, I said, swallowing sharp breaths. How about you guys? Someone tapped me on the shoulder, and I bit back a shriek. Eris, somehow not out of breath, I figured his time on the basketball team helped. As usual, he was overdressed for a rescue. I was frowning at his white fitted shirt and sandy curls pinned back by a pair of Ray-Bans. Wondering where the hell had our Middleview 4 nerd gone? Yo, he saluted me with a smirk. Am I really that frightening? I nodded at his get up. What the hell are you wearing? His smile didn't waver. I was at an interview. Interview? Noah finally caught up to us, flashlight in one hand, talkie in the other. He paused to rest his hands on his knees. The mayor's son's voice was muffled. What interview? My dad wants to send me back to private school. Eris rolled his eyes. In his words, I'm going to get myself killed. What? Noah hissed, spitting out his flashlight. You can't leave. That doesn't matter right now, Aris murmured. We can talk about my dad being a total dick after May is safe. Noah shot me a look, and I could only respond with a shrug. Approaching the barn where May was held, we took it slow. May? Noah led us. Eris at his side. I brought up the rear, shining my flashlight beam on anything that moved. Still there, May? Noah hissed into his talkie. He tripped over a rock and Aris dragged him back, playfully hitting him. Yes, I'm still here, dying of boredom. Eris hopped ahead, striding over to the door. He twisted around, shining his flashlight. You know, for someone who's hanging upside down in a barn of death, You sure seem to be super chill. Oh, I'm not chill. I'm going to kill all three of you for getting me into this. Eris pulled one of the doors open, motioning for me to help him. I did, pushing all of my weight into it. Noah, you grab and free May, he ordered. I'll check if the psycho is still hanging around. Marin, you guard the doors. Noah scoffed, shining the flashlight in the boy's face. Oh yeah? What are you going to do if someone jumps out? Kick his ass? Aris said through a mouthful of flashlight. Or run. Probably run. Deeper. The masked man's voice cut through the memory. Look for key moments, key memories. Noah stepped inside the barn first. I heard his shuffled footsteps. One step. Two steps. Three steps. He halted suddenly. Noah? Aris, who was checking for tripwires, twisted around. You good man? When there was no response, Eris motioned me to go in as backup, leaving our fourth member at the door. I ventured inside the barn. It was pitch black, the kind of darkness that somehow dimmed my flickering light. Following Noah's footsteps, my slimy fingers clicked the button down on my talkie. May? My voice came out in a shaky whisper as my flashlight flickered on and off. May. Can you tell me where you are? The sound of a talkie coming to life filled my mouth with wriggling insects. I'm here. Can you guys untie me? I could hear May, but I couldn't see her. My dying flashlight beam illuminated her talkie, lying in a batch of hay. Next to it, a figure standing perfectly still Noah. The boy was standing, his head tipped back, arms limp by his sides. He had dropped his talkie too. Noah? His name came out in a hiss, and I was afraid to speak, afraid to follow his gaze, until something cold trickled down my face like raindrops. Guys, May's voice cracked. Where are you? Pressing two fingers to my face, my fingertips were drenched in red. Something dripped again, sliding down my cheek. It was so cold. Noah wasn't moving because the lines holding him hostage were not letting him. His mouth was opening and closing, but no sound was coming out. My strings only allowed me to tip my head back, but my body was still straining, my legs giving way, my thoughts spiraling. I didn't want to look, and yet the eyes strictly told me to. There was something hanging from the ceiling. May, like a pig, she had been gutted. From the neck to torso, her insides already carved out as if by a surgeon's hand. What was left of May was a shell in her place. Cut! A shriek lulled me back to the real world. Anna! Anna, explain yourself! The man's voice was suddenly booming, blinding lights in my eyes. Cut! I said cut! Anna, stop laughing! No, no, it's not funny! You can't kill them! The ground rumbled suddenly. But I was still paralyzed, suspended on strings. What's going on? Eris said in a whimper. The man's voice turned stern, frightened. Okay, have it your way, Anna. Eris was already screaming, a guttural cry that sent him to the ground, but he wasn't allowed to drop to his knees, strings jerking him into place. He was yanked back up, forced to dance, his mouth snapping open and closed and saying words that weren't his. We were forced to bow in front of a curtain, a cacophony of children's laughter deafening my ears. Noah didn't fight his strings tugging him from left to right. His eyes never left May. I don't think he was really seeing her. Instead, he was seeing her strings, that, with a simple snip, were cut, and she flopped to the ground and was scooped into a stranger's arms. I couldn't even mourn her death or feel real emotion. Instead, I was stuck on the strings with no thoughts. I followed what the eyes told me to do. Middleview turned against us after May's death. The citizens were convinced that we didn't solve crimes. We created them, and we were bad omens. We were hunted down by a group of kids, a cult dedicated to ridding the town of the Middleview 4. Noah was gutted by a group of 12-year-olds, and Aris tied to a conveyor belt. Dragged through a meat grinder. I thought I could save them both. Marin, don't! Eris' yell caught me off guard when I burst into the sawmill where he was being held. Tripwire! He muffled through duct tape over his mouth. I looked up, and sure enough, a metal contraption hung over me. The conveyor belt moved slowly, and I was frozen, watching his struggling body draw closer to the revolving blades. I had a choice. I could free him and sacrifice myself, or let my friend be dragged through a meat grinder. In the end, it was a trick. They knew I would be paralyzed. I was barely conscious when my best friend's blood was painting my face. blood slicked strings held me in the cheek. Their deaths were announced via the same voice that had been taunting us. I remembered finding them. Barely anything left. Shards of flesh and bone. Noah still tied to a chair, his chest impaled by a single tree branch. There was a single crown of flowers nestled on his head. I was greeted with the voice when all three of their bodies were presented to me. What are you now? hmm?" The voice taunted me. Who exactly are you without them? I screamed and I was allowed to scream, my mouth widening, stretching across my face. The curtain fell in front of me and my strings finally gave way. Cut, alright, A uh, nice job everybody. I want to go again. The voice was a little girl, but I barely noticed. I barely noticed my mother's hands smoothing down my hair and cradling my cheeks. Soon, she whispered in my ear, I'm going to take you home. I wasn't looking at my mother, I was still waiting for my friends to come back to life. Their bodies dropped to the ground to the sound of heavy applause behind the curtain. And I was left, suspended in the air, all too aware of the strings still holding me together. I wanted to die like them, but they didn't let me. I saw my mom in flashes of light. She took me off stage, carrying me like I was her own daughter. I was lying on my back, and she was pulling strings from me. Her shaking fingers slipping a needle into my skin and stitching me back together, a seam of a blood red thread pooling down around my chest. My mom pulled the painful stitches, stifling my screams. I had harmless cuts and bruises. The others were dead, ripped apart, gone, but not in middle view. They came back to life because she demanded it. I blinked and I was back in class talking to Noah. His smiles weren't the same anymore. Eris never blinked, and May's grin was too big for me not to notice. Unlike my strings, theirs held them together, binding dead flesh and bone. It's not like I could ask questions. My mouth was sealed, and all I could do was choke out the words I was supposed to say, and remember the one rule, we were not allowed to look. The string murderer's case came out of nowhere. Multiple people had been found dead in piles of string, I was grounded, so I snuck out to meet May at a rendezvous, and meet the guys at the old string factory. We arrived on our bikes, and Noah started unveiling his plan. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. His voice was drowned out by white noise in my ears, a twisting nausea twisting its way through my gut. I looked at him, shining my light over his face with un- shining my light over his face with unlinking eyes and too wide smile. There were lines cutting through him, sliced and twined through his flesh. Noah? I spoke through a whisper. He didn't turn around, bobbing along on his strings. Why do you look like that? Marin? His voice bled into my mind. Are you good? I wanted to stumble back, but my strings pulled me forward. I helped push the door open and the four of us stepped into the dark, our flashlight beams following us. I was examining the floor when Eris grabbed my hand. His slimy fingers entangling with mine. I could sense that they had been dead for a long time, but somehow, his touch still that. His touch still felt comforting. Look, he whispered, illuminated in pale light, were three more bodies lying in pooling red, string, not blood. Eris hit the ground suddenly, face first. May screamed. Stumbled back and Noah turned to me, his manic glass eyes flitting left to right. Noah slowly produced a pair of scissors from his pocket, slamming his hand over my mouth. His gaze wasn't on me. He was staring at the eyes, his artificial laughing mouth stretching into a grin. His strings were loose, freeing his hands. Noah's voice was an agonizing wail combined with a hysterical giggle and I could finally see the hollowed cavern where his head was supposed to be. Don't you want to stop living for ever? Deeper, Dr. Delaney's presence and voice was looking for something specific, tearing me from the memory. He's in here somewhere. So the further I fell, I could already feel the effects of the man's vice grip around my mind, blood trickling down my chin, tainting my lips. This memory felt recent. I was hunched over in what felt like a metal chair, my hands pinned behind my back. Opening my eyes, I was in a large room awash with red light. Yo, Earth to Marin! Noah's voice faded in and out. Hey, come on, we kinda need you, like now. Don't say it like that. May's murmur was enough to relax my body. Well, how else should I say it? Blinking through sharp red light scratching at my eyes. Noah Presley was noticeably older. Reddish hair overgrown and mousy. There were things stuck out. He was taller. Odd markings on his arms that drew my attention. He was wearing blue scrubs. Scissors tucked into the pocket. May was hanging over his shoulder. A blood-stained hospital gown hanging off of her. Marin, Eris shoved Noah out of the way and I could feel my strings. Concrete floor. You trust us, right? It was hard to trust him when he too was older. His sandy hair, like Noah's, was an overgrown mess. Eris was wearing an odd combination, a scuffed pair of jeans, hospital scrubs tucked into them. Stay calm. His eyes had a hollowness to them I didn't recognize. It's okay, it's us. Just look at me. Eris' voice was oddly commanding, and I found my gaze snapping to him. His hands were covered in blood, a silver blade sticking from his pocket. Eris noticed me staring at his hands. Right at me, Marin. Focus on his butt-ugly face, Noah said from behind him. Not helping, moron. You're covered in blood, I managed. That doesn't matter. You remember what happened, right? Remember what? What happened in the string factory, Eris said. We opened the door and it was dark. I followed his words. You were cold and... His expression crumpled. What happened to us? Something wrenched in my chest when he took a step back. You're leaving me? The boy's face was bathed in red light. His smile sickly. It's hard to explain. You look... Older. Heiress That noise. It was an alarm. Please, he whispered. What happened that night? His hands felt wet and real, clinging to me. Noah grabbed him, dragging the guy back. No! No, wait! Come on, idiot! The memory was cut off when Dr. Delaney's fingers left my temples. I was back in my mom's office, rivulets of red dripping down my face. He's not here, the man announced, and the soldier stopped tearing my mother's office apart, swiftly leaving. The look Delaney shot me before he left is still bothering me. Was he relieved? Still, I'm scared he's going to come back. I don't think he'll spare me this time. As soon as the door slammed, Noah was standing in front of me. Fifteen years old again. Before I lost him, everything went wrong. You're not real, I told him shakily. His eyes were a lot darker than before, and yet, his smile still remained. Innocent and mocking. The mayor's son strode in front of me, just like he did as a child, stepping on my shoes. Why don't you ask me what you really want to say? The words came out before I could stop them. Why did you kill all those townspeople? Noah blew a raspberry. No, not that one. You know why I killed them. Try again. You're dead, I whispered. He raised a brow. Congratulations! That we are. I nodded slowly. My stomach twisting. So, why do you keep getting older? And that's it. That's the end of the story. I hope you enjoyed that mind trip, because that was quite the trip. Huge shout-out for this wonderful series. Uh, Thank you, Trash Tia, for being so creative. And a huge shout-out to you for listening. I would like to also thank my patrons for helping make this episode possible and every episode thereafter. I really appreciate your generosity. If you'd like to, if you've made it this far, we do have a Discord you can come join if you'd like to hang out. It's pretty chill. We are a fun group. We just share memes and talk about stuff. So, we would love to see you there, but in the end, hey, I appreciate you being here. I hope you're having a great day, and we'll see you in the next one.